Welcome to Word Matters, presented by the Christian Standard Bible. Word Matters is a podcast dedicated to helping Christians understand some of the most confusing and controversial passages of the Bible. Now join the conversation with your hosts, Trevin Wax and Brandon Smith. Does God change his mind? That is a question that we will ask on this uh, episode of Word Matters. I am Brandon Smith, the spokesperson for the CSB, joined as always with my co-host, Trevin Wax, the Bible publisher for B&H. And uh, this is one of those questions that for thousands of years, Christians have affirmed that, that God does not change, right? That he doesn't change in any way. Uh, and But recently we've seen some kind of contradiction uh, in some of these passages. We've seen theologians come out and say different things about it. Maybe he does change his mind. Um, they've questioned this affirmation that that has been uh, defended for for quite a long time, and and there's been and good. They do it on scripture, yeah, based with scripture. on scripture, and it's yeah. been you know it's a good debate. It's something that we should talk about, um, and so that is why I mean, this I would say honestly, in in all my you know almost ten years of preaching and doing ministry, uh, th- this is one of those passages that I feel like I had to answer a thousand times. Like this was one of those ones that was just so clear to people when they came across it. God changes mind. What does that mean? And so I think it's a good question for us to ask. Yeah, and we're only going to read one passage. You're about to read it. But that there are a number of passages that talks about God regretting what he has done right. or relenting. Relenting is what CSB uses but, in some of those. So, yeah. Right. Some of the, but, but it does have this sense of, of um, I mean, that's what they call them, the divine repentance passages. Because I think the KJV actually says repented, like mm-hmm. he turns around. Yeah. He, but it's getting to that mind of changing, like he, he, he changed his perspective. So right. what in the world do all of those mean? We're going to go to one of the most famous ones today. Yeah. So well, Let me read that. It's a, it's a couple of verses in First Samuel 15. I'll read it out of the CSB, verses 10 and 11. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I made Saul king, for he has turned away from following me and has not carried out my instructions. So Samuel became angry and cried out to the Lord all night. Then you skip down to verse 26 to 29. Uh, Samuel replied to Saul, I will not return with you because you rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. When Samuel turned to go, Saul grabbed the corner of his robe, and it was torn. Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingship of Israel away from you today and has given it to your neighbor who is better than you. Furthermore, the Eternal One of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not man who changes his mind. So the Lord says, I regret, and then it says, by the way, he doesn't change his mind right after that. That's right. And, you know, it's interesting. There's there's a lot of—so te- we talked about all those divine repentance, divine regret passages. Yeah. Uh, there are also a lot of passages that talk about God being— Unmovable. So you have you have both of these things happening in tandem. You've got the texts that say God regrets that he's done something, and yep. then you've got texts that say like uh, Balaam's second oracle in Numbers twenty three nineteen says God is not a man that he might lie, or a son of a man that he might change his mind. Does he speak and not act, or promise and not fulfill? Then you've got James one seventeen. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like the shifting sa- shadows. Mm-hmm. So you've got this. This focus here. So, let's take a couple of, of views um, here. Uh, one one view says um, that God is unchanging in His essential attributes. That means He's essential in His covenant faithfulness and He's keeping of promises in the truth of His revelation. But He does change in relation to His creatures. Hmm. So, this is the, the the traditional view of immutability, unchangingness, unchangeableness of God. That um, his nature, his will, his promise, his attributes do not change. He is immovable. That's immutable. Um, but he does interact with human beings, and he lives in relationship with them. 
And so he he changes in relationship with what he has made, even though that's not actually affecting his will or nature. So one way to explain this, uh, John Frame says, that, you know, when a person trusts Christ, that person is able to call God Father, and it thus follows God could not be considered uh, that person's father before, but can be considered father now, right? Mm-hmm, right. Um, uh, Millard Erickson takes the view of um, God's immutability means his divine constancy. That means God can't change quantitatively. He can't increase or decrease in something. Um, or qualitatively, he can't modify his nature. He doesn't do that. Um, his intentions and his plans are always consistent. And in that sense, he never changes his mind. Mm-hmm. But that we shouldn't necessarily have to read into this some of the uh, – th- there was some extremes in some Greek philosophy that God is sort of static and it also almost makes him impersonal and that he doesn't ever feel yeah, in right. any sense anything. So that's a – that's a, um, a there's a, 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 a corresponding difficulty there that you want to avoid on, on yeah. the other extreme. But that, that's the, uh, the first view. Because it is true. I mean, Erickson says it, you know, that, that, that God is, is active and dynamic. I mean, there is something to that that's really beautiful. But in it's a way deism. that is stable and consistent right. with his nature. That's, right. So he's, it, it's a both and. Mm-hmm. We've, we've talked about paradox on this show before, yeah. and that's, that, this is one of those elements where you, where you can kind of see that together. Yeah. So the other, the other kind of major view, and this, this really got popular uh, more recently. I mean, early in the 2000s, late 90s, this really kind of heated up. There was a a whole uh, evangelical theological society dedicated to it. You know, Bruce Ware and some of those were doing a lot of scholarship in this area because it had really uh, gotten hold in a lot of churches. And I think, well, let me say what the view is. So this is basically says that the doctrine of God's unchanging nature, this, this traditional view, uh, is misguided because it goes against biblical teaching. So this is called open theism. You've probably heard it called that before. Um, and and so the, the, the part of this that is really interesting is because when your average person in the pew comes across this verse— this may be the type of view that they would take because they would say, well, this kind of makes sense, I guess. I, I actually uh, recently was, was teaching a class uh, at, a, at a Christian university, and there was a student in there, and, he, and we talked about this. And he said, you know, God was an angry God who had anger issues. His phrase was anger issues uh, in the Old Testament. But then through Jesus, we see this really kind, loving God, you know. So there's even, even your average person in the pew, oh, um, a student like that. makes me want to shiver. What about the kind and compassionate, slow to anger about me? I pointed them to Exodus and all the, the, yeah. yeah, and then what about Revelation where God is like raining down fire on the world? Anyway, yeah. sorry. Yeah, and I told him, you know, from, from Genesis to Revelation, you see both judge. I mean, you see Jesus coming out with full Absolutely. judgment and revelation, yeah. but you also see— We should do the, a podcast on that. We should. Let's um, mark that down. So, uh, yeah, so this view, uh, Clark Pinnock and Greg Boyd were really the two that, that have kind of championed this the most. Uh, and so Clark Pinnock says, you know, a God who cannot change at all is not the Lord presented by Scripture. Uh, he says, you know, God subjected himself to change, right? I mean, you see even in this verse in Samuel, you know, it, it, God regretted making Saul king. Well, how else can you have a God who regrets unless you have a God who in some way changes, right? And Scripture says it twice, twice in this passage. Right? Yeah. yeah, and and. Uh, then Greg Boyd says, you know, we, we must wonder how the Lord could truly experience regret for ask, for making Saul king if he was absolutely certain that Saul would act the way he did. So, yeah, why God knows the future, right? Of course he does. So so how could he regret something if he knows what's coming? That's the view. And honestly, that's a good question to ask, right? And that's a question a lot of people are asking. So, so Trevin, uh, where do—let's just, just speak for both of us here. Where do we land on this topic? Shocker. But we are with view number one. Oh, we uh, are. Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, okay. So Sorry, I don't mean to demean it. It is, it is th- no, no. Yeah. I and, and listen. I I think it is good to wrestle 
with difficult scripture passages. That's the whole point of this podcast. Yes. So um, I, I don't want to, you know, demean Clark Pennick or Greg Boyd or others on that 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 basically what what they're doing in this circumstance is they're taking the passages that say God regretted. And they're using those as the standard by then which to judge all right. of the passages talking about God being unmoving, unchanging, right. he doesn't change his mind, um, rather than vice versa. And what the traditional view has 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 done and what I think is right yeah. is has recognized that the um, the statements that God is unmoving, that God is unchanging, are the, the ones that we judge everything else by. So mm-hmm. if there is something that appears to contradict that, something else must be going on. And in this case, I think the best explanation is that uh, the Scripture writers are using what we call anthropomorphic uh, uh, language, meaning yeah. they're using— um, they're 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 conveying God's activity with terminology that goes along with human behavior. So right. similar to the way that we talk about God, God's hands, mm-hmm. right, or God's feet, uh, it, it doesn't mean God, God walking, actually walking in the garden in Genesis. The, it yeah. doesn't mean God actually had has hands and feet physically the way that 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 we do. Um, God transcends that that mm-hmm. the that human. Uh, those human finiteness of uh, finite descriptions that we that we use to describe humans, God, we say, transcends that. And there's but, a whole and there's a whole separate conversation about Jesus being incarnated and God actually having ten fingers and ten toes, right? But that's separate from this. Yes, yeah. So thanks for bringing that up because there, uh, yes, God has hands and feet. We're talking about God the Son <laughs> right. after His incarnate state, right? So, so that that is that's true. But the 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 emphasis in the Old Testament, though, on yeah. you know, uh, God. With his mighty arm mm-hmm. showing, it, we're using human language to convey truth about God. In yeah. the similar sense, that's what's happening here with this language about regret. Yeah, and so, uh, and and let me just say, I, f- I fully affirm and agree with what you said. Um, so, so here's the question: then implications for Christian life, how we preach or teach this text. Uh, so, Trevin, let's just say, devil's advocate, what if? God changes his mind, right? So, so why does it really matter that much? I mean, isn't it kind of isn't it kind of nice? Isn't it neat to know that hey, God might regret making a decision? We can kind of relate to him in that way. Maybe hey, God makes mistakes, but he's humble enough to admit that he made a mistake, right? I mean, what? So, what if that is true? What What are we losing? What are we missing uh, if that uh, view that we don't take um, is true? Well, I, I think we we lose uh, one of the major. Uh, aspects of our prayer life. Uh, you know, we're, we're supposed to pray in Jesus's name according to God's will. Uh, we, we trust God when we pray. We, we trust that he's going to accomplish his will, that he's going to fulfill his purposes, even if we don't understand them. Yeah. Um, and we do also intercede, you know, Moses interceded on behalf of others. And uh, so there is a sense in which prayer, we say prayer changes things. Well, that's, that's true. Prayer changes us and God can respond to our prayers, uh, to our our faith, and and uh, use our prayers in His overall plan uh, for the world. But prayer does not change God in His essence, right. who He is, what what He's like. So uh, we know we have a constant God that we can we can turn to. So I think I, I start there with you know prayer, and yeah. that's one of the things. But there are other implications too, as as you can point out. Yeah, I think too. You know, we we, we need to remind be reminded that God is in control, right? So when we do pray. We do know that God is in control, that he's not wavering, that he's not, uh, you know, kind of sketchy about, he's not like your high school girlfriend who you don't know if she loves you every day or you don't know if you make her mad enough, she's, 
she's going to turn on you. Uh, and you know that if, if God has promised to do something in Scripture, that he will do it. And if right. he's promised to respond to your prayers, uh, he will respond to them. You know, it reminds us that, uh, that his purposes are steadfast and that his unfolding in history, uh, just as he planned, which you see all throughout Scripture, all the prophecy and everything that comes true, uh, we know that he's in control. And we know that when we look at the end of Revelation, that there's a new heaven and new earth and that we will be... Uh, without sin, no more tears, that that's not going to change at some point or that that's going right. to be thwarted by somebody. And, and this gets really personal and really practical really quickly. Yeah, it does. I mean, think about think about this. If God can change, if God is changeable, if the, the future is open, God doesn't even know what's going to happen exactly. Yeah. Um, then, okay, take the example of Hezekiah, the king, who asks for more, you know, God says, you're going to die. You're, you're sick and you're going to die. Hezekiah yeah. says, please give me more time. God responds and says, okay, I'm going to give you X number of years. And... Um, does God know the date of my death? The just as He knew Hezekiah's. I mean, because according to the open theist, the date of my death is open for discussion. Yeah. Now there could be a lot of factors that could cause me to have a early death or a late one. Maybe maybe today God wants me to die fifty years from now mm-hmm. after we've done two thousand of these podcasts. You know, <laughs> or, uh, but we will never stop. But maybe tomorrow He's like, you know what? I'm just going to take Trevin on home in a car wreck. Yeah. You know, I mean, is that is that the kind of God I can put my my trust in is that the God of the Bible that He doesn't even know the outcome right. of my life. So, so there's a lot that we lose mm-hmm. when we, when we we uh, don't affirm the unchangeableness of God and His 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 foreknowledge of everything that is to come. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, of uh, Matt Chandler. I use this illustration a lot, or at least he used to. He would say, you know, when when a car wreck happens, God's God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit aren't scrambling around trying to find an ambulance to come to the scene. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. What are we going to do? Get an ambulance there. You know, God knows what's happening. God's not surprised uh, by anything. And you know, it's it's interesting too to think about if 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 we're relating to God. There's there's another side of me. This is this is something I struggle with of wanting God to feel what I feel and to think what I think. So sometimes you might be really frustrated with somebody and you want God to enact vengeance on them. And the truth is you don't want God to react to what you want him to do. You want him to do what's right. What is, um, you, you want him to give justice when he is going to, vengeance when he's going to, um, give you blessings when he is going to, that, that your idea of blessings may not be his. And he's not there like a genie in a lamp for you to ask uh, wishes yeah. from or to try to twist. Um, and that's something that would be my tendency to want to twist God to do to what want I want. God in your image, and that is not the God that you want. You want to be in God's image, not God in your image. No, and you know, but the difficulty with what you said about the car accident, you know, uh, God not taking God by surprise. I mean, that does lead to a, other difficult theological challenges. Yeah. Is you know, so if you, you're saying God knows some of the worst, most evil right. atrocities in the world yep. are going to take place and does nothing to stop them, you mm-hmm. know that he. So, so the open theist tries to resolve that yeah. based on saying, "Well, God can't be held responsible because He doesn't know everything that's about to happen." Yeah. Uh, the the um, traditional view, though, has the has the own issue. What you know? Why does God allow evil and suffering? Yeah. Why does God permit this? Why, if God is in control, doesn't He stop this? But but again, the unchangeable essence and attributes, the goodness of God even when we don't understand his plan, yeah. is the traditional way of answering that question. I think that's the biblical way yeah. of you're going to press in harder to a God whose ways are not our ways, yep. his thoughts are not our thoughts, and having to trust that he's in control and he knows what he's doing, he knows the plan better than we. Uh, and that, that in the end, is going to bring more comfort than a God who's helpless to really stop. Right, and that, and that is, you know, contrary to what Pinnock and Boyd say, that is the God of the Bible. The paradox, the God yes. who doesn't change, that is the God of the Bible. Um, so, and I would just say maybe one one quick little thing too. Uh, 
sometimes with these tough texts, I think we assume that people always notice them and know what to do with them. And it's always worth uh, making sure that when we're preaching and teaching that we're being really clear about these things, that we're elevating the sovereignty and goodness of God. And, and I think most people would say that they do that and think that they do that. But we should always just be aware that there are people who sit on, on, at home on their couch and read Scripture and may not come and ask you what what is the answer to those questions. You might not so, even notice the contradiction right. or the, the apparent discrepancy. I don't yeah. want to say it's a full-on contradiction, but yeah. just the, the, the paradox of those two statements yeah. being so close together. Even. And we should always be aware of that, maybe, you know, and, and however that looks in your teaching or preaching ministry, it's, it, we should always be aware that there are unanswered questions and there are a lot of confusion that, that we can help clear up as much as we can. So uh, anyway, Trevin, thank you so much for jumping on, and thank you all for listening. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Word Matters has been presented by the Christian Standard Bible translation that is faithful to the original languages, but clear for today's audience. Find out more at csbible.com.